Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is the first in a series of podcasts that I'm going to do on on parenting in in a godly way, raising your children for the Lord. Uh, The reason that I I wanted to do this is I see so many young uh, parents struggling in the church. I see so many grandmothers struggling in the church, people with children who are are adult age struggling in the church. And uh, I felt impressed uh, to, to do something um, extra to try to help people out. So I hope this will be of, of assistance to you. I, I hope you'll enjoy it. And if there's a subject or a question that you've got and that you'd like me to tackle, um, just send me a message and I'll, and I'll do my best. Uh, but this first uh, lesson that I want to do today is on prayer. Now you may be thinking, well, I know I'm supposed to pray for my kids. Uh, of course, everyone's supposed to pray for their kids. Uh, but I hope you'll continue to listen, uh, because what I'm going to say today is is very important. If you want to raise your children for the Lord, if you want your children to be saved, what what I'm going to talk about today is is so vitally important. Uh, prayer, first of all, is important because it's important that we pray for our children because it reveals we're not trusting ourselves for our children's salvation. In other words, we're not thinking, well, you know, if I just do it right, then my kids will become saved. Now listen, when I say saved, I'm not talking about, okay, they made a profession of faith, they they were baptized, because too many in the Baptist church, that's what they're looking for. They just want to get to that moment where their children make some sort of public decision. And they believe that that's going to get them into heaven. Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches that those who are saved are are changed by the grace and the power of God, and that change is evident in their life. That change is accompanied uh, by a, a hunger for Christ, a desire for His Word, and a pursuit of holiness. And so please understand, you and I could certainly get our children to pray a prayer. We could certainly convince our children to be baptized, but that's not what I mean when I speak of salvation. When I speak of salvation, I mean a person is genuinely changed by the power of God and filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I think there's two two dangers that I see. I think the first danger that I see in, in raising our kids um, for, for Christ is the danger of, of legalism. Now, I grew up and I didn't have any type of Christian background and there was so much sin in my household. So, so many different sins. Sin was just rampant. There was no righteousness in my home at all. And when God saved me, um, He delivered me from so much. And, and because I've experienced firsthand and as well watched what sin has done in the lives of many people that I love, and cherish, um, I'm very sensitive to sin. And for that reason, I might think, well, you know what, if I'll just keep all of these things away from my children, if I'll keep all the drugs, and if I'll keep all the alcohol, and if I'll keep all of the pornography, and if I keep all of this stuff away from my kid, then certainly my kid will become saved. And that's a ridiculous idea. Uh, That's a crazy idea. 
But then there's the other side that there are people who trust and they say, well, you know, I, I grew up in church and because I grew up in church, I learned a lot. And so now I, I know what to do. And if I do it this way, then certainly my kids will will come to love the Lord. They'll come to be saved. And sometimes I see that, that um, maybe a child was raised in a certain way in a family and they're thinking, well, I don't want my parents to push church on me. I don't want my parents to, to have all of these rules because these rules, uh, they kind of uh, made me feel uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm, I'm going to do it this way. Um, and, and in both instances, those people are trusting in themselves. They're saying, you know, if, if, I, if I don't allow these things, or if I do allow these things, then my child will come uh, to know the Lord Jesus. My, my child will, will be saved. Um, but that's not the case. You see, the Scripture teaches, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's, that's the very first beatitude that, that Jesus gives us. And what He's saying, He's saying the very first characteristic to look for in a person that belongs to the kingdom of God is a person who is poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means you don't trust yourself. It means that you look at yourself as a spiritually bankrupt person. You don't think that there's anything good that you could do apart from God. You're saying, God, I need you. I need you for righteousness. I need you for strength. I need you for everything, Lord. Lord, I am spiritually bankrupt. And when it comes to parenting, we have to come with this same mindset, this mindset that, Lord, I don't know how to do this. Lord, I, I can't save my child. I, I can't do what only you can do. Um, that, that's the beginning of godly parenting right there. Just coming to the Lord with this understanding that you can't do it. And communicating that to God in prayer. Calling on the Lord because you know that if, if your child's soul is left in your hands, then there's no way that your child will ever be saved. You know, I think about how often people pray for their children to be born. There are people who pray before they ever have a child, before they ever see a sonogram. Lord, give us a baby. You know, we're, we're like Rachel in Genesis 31. Uh, Lord, give me children or, or I'll die. We have such a desperate desire to, to have children. And that's a wonderful thing. I think we should pray that the Lord would give us children. But we should not only pray for their first birth, we should pray for their second birth too. We should go to the Lord and, and say, Lord, you have given me a child. Now I pray that that child will be born again. I pray that that child will be saved. You see, if, if our children are saved, it won't be the result of our flawless parenting. If our children are saved, It'll be because of the grace of God. If our children come to know Christ, if our children are delivered from this present world, it will be because of the grace of God. It will not be because we were great parents. In fact, often it'll be in spite of our parenting that God will save our children. So when it comes to raising children for the Lord, the very first thing that we need to remember is that it's important that we pray for the salvation of our children because that reveals that we're not trusting in ourselves for our children's salvation. 
the second thing that, that I want to give you, I want to give you about three lessons today, is it's important that we pray for our children because God has ordained prayer as a means by which He accomplishes His will. Now, God is sovereign. God is doing His work. But God has ordained the means by which He accomplishes His will. And one of those means is prayer. And for that reason, it's very important that you pray. That God hears you pray for your child by name. Whether that child has even been born or not yet. That God hears the name of your child come from your own lips. That you would just lift that up to God. God, I pray that you save her. You call her name. I pray that you save him. You call his name. And and do you know what God does? God uses prayer for your own sanctification too. As you're praying for your child's salvation, you're praying that God would save your child. You know what it's reminding you of? It's reminding you of, of hey, I need to come to Christ. I mean, why would a person pray for their child's salvation if, if they haven't come to Christ yet? I, I remember so vividly this time when I was out visiting uh, for, for church and I was inviting children to come to Vacation Bible School. And um, I, uh, I, I talked to this man. He was outside by his pickup truck and he had, he had twin boys. And he said, hey, I want you to come get my kids and I want you to take them to church. He said, I'll, I'll never forget it. He said this. He said, I'm going to hell but I don't want my children to. I'm going to hell, but I don't want my children to. I'll never forget that man saying that to me. And it broke my heart. And dear friends, how could we ever expect our children to want to come to a place that we ourselves don't want to go to? See, God uses prayer for our own sanctification. And I'm telling you, when you begin to pray for your own children's uh, salvation, when you truly desire your own children to be saved, you won't send them to church. You'll call out to God and say, Oh God, save me. But then you know what else you'll do? You'll, You'll begin to live your life for His glory. You'll live your life... For His glory. And so in, in this way, it, it aids in your sanctification. So you're, you're praying for your child to be saved. You yourself have been saved. And now you are praying in such a way that it encourage you, encourages you to live for His glory because you're thinking to yourself, you know, if I'm praying for my child to be saved, then my child is going to be watching me. And I want to be a good representation of what it means to be a Christian. I want to be a good representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think about praying uh, praying for, for, for our children by their name. I mentioned that a minute ago. I think about Jesus who, who said, I have prayed for you, Peter. I have prayed for you, Peter. And it, and it reminds me that, that not only should God hear us pray for our children by name, but our children should hear us pray for them by name. Our children, as we pray, they should hear us pray for them by name. It was our um, custom when our children were growing up to, when they were very small, when they were born, in fact, each night putting them to bed. And and, and once we had our first child, then we had our second child almost three years later. And and me and my wife, we would alternate. I would put one to bed, the other would put the other to bed. and, And each night... Um, when I would put my children to bed, I would lay my hand on, on their head and I would pray for them. And I would pray for their soul. And I would pray that they would be saved. 
And I pray that they would be a great man of God and a great woman of God and that they would live for His glory even as they grew older and older and older and older. Each night I would pray that after they were saved. I continued to pray, Lord, I pray that Abigail would be a great woman of God. She would live for Your glory and Your honor. For my son, I would pray for him out loud. Lord, I pray for Jeremiah that he would be a great man of God. And I thought it was so important not that I was praying as a show or anything. It was it was it was legitimate, sincere prayer. But I wanted my children to hear that. I wanted I wanted my children to have a memory of their father praying for their soul, praying for their sanctification, asking God to, to do great things in their life. And and it reminds me of a, a story that I read many years ago about Charles Spurgeon. Um, and his mother, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers. Um, I'm reading out of a book um, right now, uh, which is a topical index of quotations that he has, and, and I want to read this to you. He said, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn words of my good mother. While we were yet little children, we sat around the table and read verse by verse, and she explained the Scripture to us. Then came the time of pleading. Did you hear that? Then came the time of pleading. Then came Mother's prayer. I remember on one occasion her praying this way, Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish, and my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. Charles Spurgeon said his mother prayed out loud, Lord, if my children do not give their lives to you, then I must be a witness against them. I I must stand before you and tell you, Lord, that I told them about you. I, I showed them your love. I showed them your mercy and your grace. Yet they would not come. Charles Spurgeon said his own mother said that she would be the prosecuting attorney, so to speak, against him on the day of judgment. That, that is, that, that's something else now. And, and then he said this, he said, That thought of a mother's bearing swift witness against me pierced my conscience and stirred my heart. This pleading with them for God and with God for them is the true way to bring children to Christ. That's what the great Spurgeon said. This pleading with them for God and with God for them is the true way to bring children to Christ. You see, it's so important that we pray because it reveals that we're not trusting in ourselves for our children's salvation. But it's so important that we pray because God has ordained prayer as a means by which He accomplishes His will, both in salvation and sanctification. And the third thing I want to mention in this lesson, the final thing is it's important that we not put the discipline of prayer off for another time. In other words, we're not to wait on this. You, you may think, well, my child is just a baby. My child is so small. Um, doesn't even know right from wrong. Doesn't matter. Now is the time to pray. You may think, well, my child's gone too far. My child doesn't even listen anymore. No, no, it's, it's, he's not gone too far. You continue to, to pray. You may think, well, it's, it's odd because I've never done it before. Now my child's a teenager or in middle school, and, and they may think this odd. It doesn't matter if they think it's odd. Right now is the time 
to engage in this discipline. It doesn't matter if if it's something you haven't practiced before. Now is the time to be concerned over your child's soul. You know, I think about um I think about David. And I tell you David was not by any means the the parent of the year. But there are a couple occasions in the Bible where he weeps over his children and it's such a beautiful thing to me. Um, one of the occasions is when uh, the child that he had by Bathsheba was dying. And he was he was so broken over that. He was just literally sick. He, the Scripture says in 2 Samuel 12 that he laid on the ground all night long. This is the king and he's laying on the ground. Um, the people actually thought he was going to hurt himself. He was so disturbed. He was so brokenhearted over this dying child. He was fasting. He was weeping and, and he was praying. And and when they found out that the child died, they didn't want to tell him because they, they really thought that he might kill himself. That's how much sorrow they saw in this man. But when David realized that, that the child had died, um, that's when David said those famous words. Um, he said, you know, when, when the child was alive, I was praying because I didn't know that maybe the Lord might be gracious to me. Maybe the Lord might let the child live. But he said, but now that my child is dead, he said, there's no reason for me to fast. I can't resurrect this child. And then he said this. He said, I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Now, there's no doubt in my mind what David meant right there. David knew that child was in heaven. And David stopped weeping for that child because that child was in a better place than even David was at that point. But then there's another time when David was inconsolable over one of his children, and it was with Absalom in 2 Samuel 19. And man, Absalom hated his dad. He was a horrible person. He was a terribly ungodly man trying to steal the kingdom from David, all kind of stuff. And whenever um, Absalom was killed in battle, and Absalom had to be killed or he would have taken the, the kingdom from, from David. When, when, when David found out he was dead, he, he just cried out, weeping, the Bible says, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, I wished I had died, Absalom, and you had lived. And, and afterwards, David, he, he could not be consoled. He was weeping and he was mourning. And it, he, he, he had turned into a man who was making a spectacle out of himself. And, and, and Joab came to him and Joab was, was, was kind of disgusted with the whole situation. He said, what are, what are you doing? It looks like you, you wish that we were dead and Absalom was alive. But... but, but David was still distraught, covering his face, crying out with a, with a loud voice, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Finally, David recognized that all the weeping in the world would never bring his child back. And he had to return to normal life. But it's interesting to me there that the death of the first child brought comfort. He knew where that child was. The death of Absalom brought no comfort. Now, I think that's because he knew Absalom died 
an unbeliever. He knew Absalom died as an unsaved person, and he knew that he fell under the wrath of the Lord. He fell under the punishment for his own sins. And that broke his heart. You know, when you think about that, you have to weep before the Lord while your child is still alive. You have to weep before the Lord while your child is still alive. If your child is lost, did you know that if your child is lost, it's as if your child is dead because the Bible says that to be lost is to be spiritually dead. And if your child is spiritually dead, you and I should weep before the Lord as if our child is dead with that type of passion and that type of concern. And now, today is the time to weep before the Lord for the salvation of our children. To weep every single day, every single day, until they are saved or they leave this world or we, live, we leave this world. We have to weep before the Lord for our children. We can't put this discipline off. I want to tell you, there are very few people in this world who pray for anyone's salvation. Very few people in this world who pray for anyone's salvation. And doing the math, just trying to understand, okay, who is praying for my child's salvation? If there are any people other than you, there aren't many more than you praying for your child's salvation unless you are an extremely, extremely blessed person. And so every day that God gives you on this earth, if your child or children are unsaved, you should be giving yourself to prayer saying, Oh God, save my daughter. Oh God, save my son. And my dear friend, this is where it all begins. This is where parenting in a godly way begins. Lord, save my children. Do what I cannot do. Weep before the Lord as if your children are dead until they are made spiritually alive by the new birth that only Jesus Christ can give. Now there's so much more I can say, but I'm, I'm stopping here. But this is today's first lesson on parenting in a godly way. Pray for your children. Pray for your children. As I said before, if there's a subject you'd like me to mention or maybe a question that you'd like me to answer, you can shoot me a message. I hope you enjoyed this. And I don't know how often I'm going to do these parenting podcasts. As I have time and as I have content, I'll certainly do them. Hope you have a great day. God bless.